1: to turn Penelope's world upside down mm,
0: this is the ultimate good friends to lovers story from those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them watch Bridgerton season three now playing only on Netflix
2: the response was mainly just like how could you change your mind pretty much like the response was like you've been vegan for so long you were passionate about it you told us this and I always found that like a funny one to kind of try to explain to people because I'm like everyone changes it's just that mine happens to be laid out in this video format for you to follow so therefore you can be much more aware of my changes whereas I don't think people are self-aware enough to know how much their opinion changes from week to week or day to day.
1: Welcome to this in conversation episode of Shameless with the ever so sweet Bonnie Rebecca. For the unacquainted, Bonnie Rebecca is a content creator and influencer with one hell of a story to tell. In 2018, at the height of the plant based Instagram movement, Bonnie, someone who had built a life and career based on the lifestyle, decided to tell the world that she was leaving veganism for good. Q Total internet outrage. Outrage was so bad that Bonnie found her name and face in massive publications like Vice. So, we wanted to chat a few years on. What's it like to find yourself in the eye of a social media storm? Is that corner of the internet really like a bit of a cult? And how do you find yourself again when everything you once defined yourself as comes crashing down? Just a quick note too, before we jump into this one, this conversation does touch on disordered eating and may be triggering for some listeners. Here's Bonnie.
0: Bonnie, Rebecca, welcome to Shameless in Conversation. We are so stoked to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. I'm a big fan
2: of the show and I listen a lot. So it's really exciting to be here.
1: Oh, that is so lovely of you. We have so much we actually want to talk to you about today. You are an absolute breeze to prep for actually, Bonnie, I have to be honest. Mish and I always put our heads together for quite a few hours before we do these interviews and so much stuff was coming out. So I am so excited to have this chat with you. We have to start where we always start though, to ask you, what were you like as a kid. Yes. Okay.
2: I am aware of your structure. So I was thinking about how to answer this. Well, I guess to describe my childhood, it was kind of a little bit chaotic, to be honest. I grew up in the country. So I was born quite in like a remote place where my father had property. And then I moved to Sydney when I was about five and my parents separated. And I lived with my mom until I was about eight. And that was just a bit of a struggle because she struggled with depression and alcohol dependency. But then I moved in with my dad and things really got better. (laughs) And I was dancing a lot. So I started dancing when I was eight. And that just kind of became my whole life, to be honest. I just got really into that and performing. And Yeah, I didn't have a big family, but I did have two older brothers. They were my mum's first marriage. They're quite a lot older than me, but I've always been so grateful for them because they've kind of just been like, kind of like brother figures, but also a little bit like parent figures because they were so much older than me. So I had them there to guide me and we've had a really great, strong relationship all my life. So very close with them.
0: You touched on it just then. You said your mum was sick growing up. You moved yeah. in with your dad. Mm. You've been really public about both of your parents' illnesses. Your dad has quite mm. chronic rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Your mum, you just touched on then, battles with mental health issues as well as alcohol addiction. Mm. What was that like growing up with two parents who weren't well in very different ways? Well, my dad, we didn't know about him until I was
2: quite a bit older. So he, we found out that he was sick, maybe when I was about 13, 15, which was really strange, actually, because he was kind of like, didn't get sick, you know, like he was kind of like the solid superhero kind of vibe. And I never saw him sick, never saw him unwell. So when he got sick, it was just very strange. And they didn't know what was wrong with him for a really long time, because autoimmune diseases are still quite fresh when it comes to knowing a lot about them. So when he was diagnosed, I was still very early on. And it was really scary, to be honest, because he was very unwell. He was all of a sudden unable to work and get out of bed. But luckily, they have got him on the right medication eventually after a few years. And that has helped him so much. So I'm just really grateful for that because he's able to now still function and be good, even though he's not quite how he used to be. My mum, on the other hand, that was a much harder battle, something that she still hasn't overcome. And I did speak about it publicly a few years ago, just more so to be honest with my followers, because I have a very honest relationship when I'm going through things, but also to hopefully make people feel a little bit less alone going through that. And it actually was received so well. I was really surprised at how much people. Found comfort in me talking about that and just really helped them through their own situations with family members with alcohol addiction and how hard it can be because a lot of the time you can't help them unless they want to help themselves. And even though my mum's been to rehab many times, it doesn't seem to stick. So that's something that I've had to really just let go of as I've gotten older because I've kind of tried everything I can. So yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a super close relationship with her.
1: You did say in that video that you recorded in May 2018 that you were convinced when you were younger that you were going to fix her illness. Your mantra was, I'm going to fix her. I'm going to fix her. What's that pressure like when you're younger thinking that you can do this, like you can fix her? Yeah, I
2: think I was just so desperate to have a good connection with her and a good relationship with her. Like I've always really longed for that kind of motherly relationship. And I guess like her illness is quite extreme in terms of like it really does not make her herself and makes her not really able to function normally in society. So I guess I just really thought that I could get through to her and that I could make a difference. The pressure was definitely there and I would go through phases and, you know, my brothers felt it too. So we kind of shared that amongst the three of us, but they had been dealing with it a little bit longer because they were older. So I guess I still had that (laughs) young kind of spirit in me that thought that I could make the difference but yeah over time I've really had to just let go with trying to control her or trying to control her choices because otherwise it just it just drives you insane and yeah it was it was a lot of pressure but I just try to accept it for what it is and just take the good moments that I can from her and try to just remember her for what she was and in the good times and in
0: the good light. You actually took a couple of months off social media when your Mm -hmm. mum was quite unwell. And when you came back to social media, you did share her story and your story Mm -hmm. with your audience. I mean, you're speaking to two people who have also shared massive parts of their lives. Like Mm -hmm. with Zara and I in our book, Zara spoke about her parents' cancer struggles. I spoke about my parents' separation Mm -hmm. and something for us that was always really interesting is what parts of this story belong to us and what belong to our parents how did you navigate that yourself like before you sat down to record that video which has hundreds of thousands of views Mm -hmm. how did you kind of think how am I going to approach this what can I tell what shouldn't I tell what should be kept secret and private
2: Mm. I never really go into a lot of detail about her experience, her past or what it is that she actually, you know, deals with, but I guess just more how it affects me and how I deal with it. And, you know, even though it is, you know, her information as well, we have to share these conversations, I think, to be able to connect and get through these things because we're all dealing with trauma from our parents or whatever it is so I think it's an important conversation to be had and going off the response like I still get people stopping me and saying that video really helped me and it's and like older people as well like not even people my age people that have had alcohol problems themselves and they've realized that they were affecting their children so it's it it was really interesting to see how people responded to it and I think it's important to share these things especially in the nature of my job like I think a lot of time people can think oh, your life is perfect when you display it on social media and I never wanted to give that vibe I never wanted to try and only show my highlights I wanted to show my struggles as well so that people could relate and just know that they're not alone.
1: Bonnie what was the plan for you in high school did you think much as you were growing up about what you wanted from your life and career?
2: Mm. dance was always my main priority so I remember in year 11 I auditioned for like a full-time performing arts school after high school and I got in and that was kind of my that was my plan year 12 was actually like my favorite year in high school because I was doing all of my favorite subjects like dance drama photography and things like that and I just loved it I really enjoyed the last two years of school I didn't feel the same pressure that I feel like a lot of people felt because I'd already had my next plan ready to go. So yeah, then I went and danced full time for a year and I got injured. I tore the cartilage in my hips and that kind of pointed me in a new direction. I still did a lot of dance work afterwards, like dance and modeling and acting, but eventually it kind of just died out because I couldn't maintain that kind of lifestyle with my injuries.
0: Mm. How did the social media stuff come about? So dancing obviously went down a route. You didn't plan on it going down, but Mm -hmm. in your late teens, was it? You start Mm -hmm. finding an audience and tens of thousands of people who are really invested in your life and your lifestyle. How did that happen?
2: Yeah, well, I was 20 when I started doing social media and it was really because I met my boyfriend at the time. He was like vegan and I just kind of fell into it, I guess. Like I started posting photos of food. I lo- always loved food and I always loved eating food <laughs> and making food. But when I went vegan, I just became really passionate about sharing like photos of, of that. And it just it just picked up like it, it was just the trend at the time, I guess. And it just everyone really wanted questions answered and recipes explained in detail which is why I went over to YouTube because Instagram wasn't really cutting it for me in terms of how to share things so I just went with it I really didn't plan it at all and this is where it ended up
1: I mean, you just touched on the veganism thing, which is obviously going to be a huge part of our conversation today. And I think one thing Mish and I wanted to put on the record before we even started asking you about veganism is that we have a lot of respect and admiration for people who are vegans. Like it's a very generous thing to do for the environment and the planet. But I think our conversation with you today about veganism is a pretty complex one. So before we get into all of those complexities, I want to know about your first few months sort of becoming vegan. How did you get into it?
2: Yeah, there was very much so like a big trend online at the time, like veganism, the whole like high-carb lifestyle. And my partner at the time, he was vegan and he kind of just was very – charismatic and influential in the way that he kind of just like very inspiring to me anyway I think also like coming from a dance background just these few years before I met him I was dancing and we had a lot of pressure on our diet like it's so ridiculous like I remember even my director would monitor our food, you know, we would have to keep a diary and show them what we were eating each week. So luckily, like I always managed to really, well, I actually thought I was failing because I could never stick to these things because I just, <laughs> I liked food. And I always thought that I was not doing good enough in terms of like how I was eating and stuff. So I already had like, not the best relationship with food because there was guilt around it. And I think that this lifestyle, the vegan lifestyle and the particular vegan lifestyle that was happening at the time really promoted abundance and not restricting and just being able to eat whatever you want or how much you want of it. And I think that was a massive appeal to me because I felt like I hadn't been doing good enough with my diet and so that was definitely a part of it. And then I was watching a lot of YouTube, a lot of other YouTubers that were promoting this lifestyle and it kind of just felt like we fell into this community of people who were all eating the same, doing the same and kind of lifting each other up and just it felt really nice at the beginning, you know, it felt cool to feel like you belonged and just like there was a group of people that were really passionate about this. So that's kind of how I was feeling when I first got into it.
0: Mm-hmm. I imagine If you find this community, you find new friends, it's what your boyfriend's doing. It's also the route that your work is now taking and that it's becoming connected with your income and your lifestyle. You start to build a whole identity around being vegan, right? So I now
2: see how bad it was and how easy it was for me to get completely swept away. Like at the time, I was just so unaware of it happening. And now I look back and realize how unhealthy it was to just put all of my life into this one aspect. Not only was it my work, my relationship, my lifestyle, my way of eating, my belief system. And I think that's why it was so hard to break out of and also to realize when it wasn't working because It was almost like I had this bubble around me of like, no, this, of course, this is going to work. This is perfect. There were so many benefits to it. And, you know, like how people talk about veganism now, like there's just so many benefits for yourself, for your planet, for the animals. So it really was hard to see the other side of that and break out of that mindset because it's obviously not black
1: and white like that. That was a big lesson to learn. What was it like in those early months and years seeing people so, so invested and interested in you and your lifestyle? Was it overwhelming being that young? I think I was just... Really excited by it at
2: first. It definitely got to a point, I think, once it had been like a year and once my followers had really grown, it did become a little bit overwhelming with the opinions and the kind of pressure. Like, I think now looking back on it, I really put pressure on myself to keep going because I think a lot of people that do social media feel this way. Like, sometimes it just happens to you, and then you're like, oh, I have to keep doing this now. Because if I don't, well, then I failed or I've wasted an opportunity
0: correct me if I'm wrong maybe this is overstating it but you're talking about the community and how intense everything was and kind of like this idea of breaking out of the bubble and that being a huge decision and almost like a coming out thing of I'm not vegan anymore mm. it does sound like aspects of the vegan community some aspects not all can be a little bit cult-like did you oh. feel like that? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think the particular environment that I was in was extremely cult-like. There were people, I don't really want to go into detail talking about their names, but there were people on YouTube that were pioneering this whole movement. And they would shame people who said something the opposite to them. They would call people out and bully them and it was scary actually to be in that position once I had been put on a platform of someone who supported that lifestyle it kind of just blew up so quickly that you all of a sudden have all this responsibility in your hands and you don't actually know quite how to use it and it was very cult-like in the sense that if you (laughs) broke out of it or if you had a differing opinion you would be yeah shamed or bullied for that so that was that was really hard.
0: Do you ever feel like veganism was appealing because it was kind of like a glamorized, acceptable version of disordered eating behaviour?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I do. I think because people were kind of saying, Oh,
2: you get to, you know, eat as much as you want or, you know, you don't have to restrict your calories, that people thought that it wasn't restricting, even though it had all of these other rules and guidelines. And I don't think veganism as itself is like that. But the kind of diet that was being promoted at the time with high carb and everything was very much like that. And it's unfortunate that that kind of got wrapped up in veganism because they are two different things. You're just eating a normal vegan diet because you want to be vegan is very different from what was happening on YouTube at the time. So I think it was definitely that. And I think that's probably why even I fell into it because even though I never considered myself someone who had an eating disorder, there was still that programming in my brain from like growing up and from dancing and stuff to have guilt and shame around food or how much you're eating of it and so that kind of I guess it really did play a massive part in me then maybe being attracted to that even though I didn't want to admit to myself that it was that but now looking back on it I can really see that
0: so looking back now would you say that you probably did have an eating disorder at some point or another
2: Yeah, well, I think like labeling an eating disorder is a lot because I don't want to take away from what other people actually struggle with, but I definitely had disordered eating in terms of how I thought about food and how how I felt when I was eating and whether or not
1: I had guilt or shame around eating the things that I wanted to eat. When did you start to think about the fact that maybe veganism wasn't something you could do forever? Like when was the seed planted? Well, Tim, my partner at the time, he was really
2: struggling after about two years of us eating that way. He started to get real severe digestive issues and a lot of inflammation in his body, like through breakouts and stuff like that. And so that was something that we really started looking into. And that was hard as well, because, you know, in this kind of, Cult like mentality, people would say that, you know, any kind of normal route or modern medicine was wrong or frowned upon or like this is happening for a reason. Like there was always an excuse, you know, that they would say was happening for. And I think we struggled because, like, Tim, especially, like he was really passionate about veganism and it was hard for us to kind of look to alternative options because we had this public face of being vegan as well. And not even, I think that's more of a subconscious thing. Like, when you're known for something, it makes it harder to try something else because you have this pressure on you of being a certain way. I think if someone else was vegan and no one else knew that they were vegan and they weren't feeling good, they would just maybe try something different one week and it (laughs) wouldn't matter. But when a lot of people are watching you, I think it's just a lot harder to do that and we couldn't get past that. And then I also started having very similar issues to him as well. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of doubts there after a few years, but we ended up going to a different doctor, and he pretty much said it very blatantly to Tim that he needs to change his diet. Otherwise, you know, he's not going to get better. Yeah.
0: I'm really interested, Bonnie. I mean, I was someone who, as a young person, I think I was 19, maybe 20 at the time, when I was on Instagram, I got kind of allured by the (laughs) vegan trend, the plant-based eating trend. Mm. And I went vegan for two months and found out I have salicylate intolerance. So I'm intolerant to the main chemical that you find in most fruits. So veganism for those two months did not work for me at all. And I look back and I wonder if I was 18 or 20 at any other point in time, I probably wouldn't have turned to veganism. The reason I turned to it was because it was an Instagram trend. Do you ever think about that, that maybe the timing of your life with this being a huge social media movement and you being the age you were, it was even more alluring and probably more sticky than what it would have been if you were growing up in a different generation?
2: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's funny to even try to explain to people what it was like when it started, because, you know, I say it to people now and they're like, "Why? Wow, that sounds so stupid. But at the time, it was just it was just there. It was just the trend. It was, it made sense. And especially, you know, being young and coming from the background that I came from with dance and stuff, like it really just fell into place so perfectly, but also so terribly because, you know, I don't really regret any of it, but it was definitely difficult to have your diet on display like that. I think also like That hadn't happened yet in the world of social media. Like now people are not like that because we've learnt from things like this. We've learnt from trends of food happening and people giving out bad advice and, you know, all of the above, whereas that was really kind of the start of that happening with veganism and stuff. So I think there was so much that hadn't been learnt yet and it was acceptable. And now it just wouldn't be acceptable.
1: Yeah, I feel like in many cases, it was very much wrong place, wrong time for you. Like at the very point you decided to quit veganism was the very point that it was only ever going to blow up. I want to ask you about the sort of internal process of parting with veganism before you actually announced it to the world. What was that push and pull like? And how did you feel about your relationship with veganism changing?
2: Yeah, well, I was definitely getting to the point where I was just so over it. And that's why, like, we'd gone to so many doctors over the years, but none of them we wanted to listen to, which was just ridiculous. But at the time, we were very stubborn, thought that we knew better. And when we finally saw this one doctor that was actually like, he was very highly plant based. And that's why we ended up going to him. And he kind of just spoke about it in a way that was just so much more clear and obvious. And it made so much sense. And I think that that really helped me see the other side, kind of like what you were saying with your intolerances and stuff. Like it's just not made for everyone and, you know, depending on the environment that your body is in, it also cannot work for you. And I think that was just really hard to come to terms with because, sometimes vegans can be so this it does work for everyone and it's just not like that (laughs) and I think once I finally made that connection and kind of saw it from a different perspective I was able to shift my mindset and it's still a really hard thing to explain because it was a drawn out process over months and months and months and what really made the difference was actually just doing it like just changing my diet and feeling the physical effects but it was very difficult to explain that to people obviously which is why it was such a big kind of thing to talk about on the internet because people just still were in that mindset of being
1: like but you didn't try hard enough coming up after the break what's bonnie's relationship with regret but first a word from today's sponsor
0: Let's talk about that process of coming out on the internet. So that video has more than 1.7 million views. It also, though, has 12,000 downvotes and a lot of comments of people expressing disappointment in you, which we found was incredibly unfair and incredibly personal. What do you do? I want to know, like, walk us through posting this video because this video made news around the world. Like, you were covered in Vice. It went semi-viral. What do you do when you press publish on YouTube do you close your laptop and avoid the internet for a week or do you watch comment by comment roll in no I think all my
2: friends took me away from the computer for at least 24 hours which was good because I physically was having a meltdown posting that video because I was so scared about I knew I knew what was coming for me so I was prepared but I don't think I was quite prepared (laughs) for that, but I didn't go on for 24 hours. And then when I came back, it was a lot to take in. There was a lot of support, but also a lot of negativity. And I think I just really tried to focus on the support because I knew where the negativity was coming from. And I was like, I can't control their perspective. I can't control their opinion because I get it. Like I can kind of understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, they just haven't had the same experience as me. So I can't expect them to understand. It was really hard because yeah, I did try not to reply to comments. I did take notes though, and then addressed it in a following video. And also on my Instagram post, there were definitely moments of being really, really frustrated, especially that one time a vegan doctor quoted me. He like misquoted me and like put it all over his Instagram page. So that was fun. But It was just a whirlwind
1: of emotions that whole week. The response was so intense, as Mish said, that you were the focus of a Vice piece titled When Vegan Influencers Quit Being Vegan, The Backlash Can Be Brutal. What was the backlash actually like? Like how intense was it and how old were you at the time? You were young, right?
2: Yeah, it was a few years ago now, so I was like 25, I think, and I feel like The response was mainly just like, how could you change your mind pretty much? Like the response was like, you've been vegan for so long. You were passionate about it. You told us this. And I always found that like a funny one to kind of try to explain to people because I'm like, everyone changes. It's just that. Mine happens to be laid out in this video format for you to follow. So therefore, you can be much more aware of my changes, whereas I don't think people are self-aware enough to know how much their opinion changes from week to week or day to day. But when it's all recorded like that, it's a lot harder. I think also like there hadn't been a lot of people that had come out saying that they weren't vegan because I think that this kind of trend started and then people were slowly coming out of it. And I was kind of one of the first people to talk about it online. So, of course, the backlash was very intense because they weren't expecting it. No one else had really come out talking about it. And I think also the title of the video really upset people because they thought that I was trying to attack veganism. And I really wasn't. I was just trying to be honest. Like I wanted people to hear what I had to say. So of course I was going to title it that because I didn't want them to miss it on my channel and then not know what's happening and then ask me a billion questions every day after that. Yeah, the backlash was intense. It was a lot of hate, a lot of just saying that I was a liar and that, you know, I had misled them. A lot of people saying that I was just in it for money, which I find so hilarious considering how bad I am at business in terms of making money off things like I've always been really just not someone who monetizes a lot of opportunities and so that hurt it definitely hurt to hear all these things being said about you but then I just had to keep reminding myself and my friends did too like these people don't know me personally you know all they know is this image of me online and I can't take that personally like I have to just keep going and keep kind of being the best example that I can for how to deal with this and how to cope with this.
0: Hmm. What happens to your sense of self after this happens? Like, I know that behind closed doors, it was months and months of you deciding to break free from veganism and not be vegan anymore. But almost overnight to the public world, your life changes. Mm. How do you then reckon with who you are, what your purpose is, what your job looks like when things change that drastically? it was a huge shock to the system. And I would say that to
2: people, I feel like, you know, my identity has been tested. And they were like, they would say, Oh, that's, you know, you shouldn't have never have put veganism as part of your identity. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree, but I was too young to not realize that when it happened, just everything changed, you know, not just veganism, but my relationship changed. And eventually me and Tim broke up and, it was a shift of everything in my life. The only thing I knew I had to do, I was like, I'm going to keep making videos and see what comes of it. Like see if I can keep sharing and keep this up because I think that will help me because a part of me did just want to retreat and leave the internet forever. I've always been really passionate about sharing and connecting. I always just talk in my videos about, you know, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm struggling with. And I think that that's why people watch me. So I had a lot of that support, people saying, we don't actually even watch you because you're vegan. Like it's just because of how you talk about life.
1: So I just kept doing that. Knowing how bad the internet can be, like knowing both the best parts and the worst parts of the internet, do you worry about young people online and their mental health having been through all the things you've been through?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, people put... Having a platform on a pedestal because they don't quite know what it feels like. But I, you know, I never used to really have a lot of anxiety until I came on social media. And then that all changed because you have these so many opinions being thrown at you. You know, you would just say something in normal life and you don't have all this backlash about what people think of what it is that you're saying. But when you say that online, when you post a photo of something online, you are opening yourself up to criticism and so many opinions that can really have a massive effect on your mental health. And it's really slowly creeped in for me with the anxiety. Like I didn't realize it was happening until one day I was like, I feel so anxious about sharing this, or I feel so anxious about this like I'm overthinking everything all of a sudden when I used to just share and it's because you know with good reason because I was not really thinking about what I was sharing and you know I was wrong about a lot of things so that's where that anxiety came in I think and people just don't understand that I, I mean I don't know how kids are growing up now with social media like Instagram if I had that in high school I would have died
0: I mean we live in a culture where some teenagers now are followerships of like a hundred million people like charlie d'amelio has a hundred million followers on tiktok Mm. i know that's obviously on a colossal scale to what we're talking about here but how do you feel when you see people i mean we're all people who leant into the internet in our 20s and some of us have still been burnt by it these Mm -hmm. are kids leaning into the internet when they're 16 how do you personally feel towards stories like that well
2: it's definitely scary it's definitely scary because they just, they don't know what they're doing. When, when you're that young, you don't know what you're doing, what you're putting out into the world, whether you want that to stay there or not. And it's concerning that it's going to be there forever and whether or not they're going to be able to handle that. And I feel like that with these people on TikTok and, and YouTube, they always come out saying that they're struggling with their mental health and that things are really hard for them because of this, this and the other and pressure. I mean, I feel like every YouTuber has said that at one point or like every big YouTuber has come out and kind of said that they're burnt out or that they're going through a really bad mental health period. I don't think it is the best for anyone's mental health to be sharing that much or to be online that much. And I think finding a balance with that can be really hard. I've been feeling really good about that the last year I feel like I've kind of found that balance a little bit more and just really been able to have a bit more of my personal life and still sharing things that that I feel passionate about and I feel like that are connecting with people. So I would be concerned that people don't know that boundary,
1: that limit and how that's going to affect them later on. What's your relationship with regret like? Like when you look back on the years you spent on social media, do you regret much? Yeah, I do struggle with this a lot and I talk about it with my friends all the time because
2: they're always saying that seeing the positives in things and seeing like my achievements and things like that. And I really have a lot of, I guess, a lot of shame around my mistakes and I know what happened and it stays within me. And I feel like that's really hard to shake sometimes because I feel like I wish I had gone about a lot of things differently. I wish I hadn't associated with a lot of different people and, you know, I couldn't have known, but it's still hard sometimes to not let myself get caught up in that in making those mistakes and just wishing that I'd gone about things differently like sometimes I wish I never got on social media and you know some other days I'm really grateful for it so it kind of just changes depending on my mood and my mental health but it is definitely something that I struggle with regretting making those mistakes and you know especially with my health and stuff like I wish I hadn't put myself through so much and I don't think I would have if I wasn't on social media because I felt that pressure.
0: Mm. How do you think the Bonnie of 2021 is different to the Bonnie of 2018 who published that video? Oh my god
2: (laughs) just everything I feel like a completely different person and that's why sometimes it's hard like I don't really watch my old videos at all and it's weird to even think that they're still out there because they're just not me anymore. But at the same time, like it's still a part of my journey. And that's what stops me from actually deleting lots of old videos and stuff, because I like people being able to see that progression and just knowing kind of where it started. (laughs) I'm much more confident and secure in myself and who I am and much less needing to reach to external sources or things to kind of help me with Finding my identity and stuff, I think I'm much, much happier with myself. I'm much more cautious of things that I believe and things that I follow and things that I share. I kind of take everything with a grain of salt and just live a much more balanced lifestyle when it comes to food and friends and exercise. I really don't go into extremes anymore with anything, and that's something I've worked really hard on even when it comes to exercise and stuff, I would consider myself quite lazy now because I just really do things as I feel much more in touch with that. And I'm just very wary of getting caught up in any kind of extreme thing. (laughs) Do you miss veganism? Like what do you miss about that lifestyle? I wouldn't say that I really miss veganism, but there were definitely elements of it that were really fun, like the community aspect of it, you know, like even going to different countries and having meetups and, you know, seeing so many people that watch my videos. I feel like, you know, it's hard to separate my videos and my community with that because they were kind of intertwined. So I wouldn't say I really miss that. There was definitely times where it was much more because it was just such a big thing at the time. Sometimes it felt quite grand and fun. Like, there was lots of events happening and lots of things to go and do and s- places to speak at and stuff like that. So that was a really fun aspect of it. But I think that it more came from, like, the community of my channel and the people that were supporting me and stuff. So I've always kind of still felt that from them. I'm kind of just, you know, I'm glad for the experience and I'm really grateful for what it taught me because I don't think I would have the same relationship with food now in feeling so relaxed and balanced with it all, if I hadn't had that extreme experience in the past to kind of learn that. So I'm really grateful for all the lessons that it taught me. And, you know, just even just the whole cult thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm glad that I learned from that and that I'll never fall into something like that again. And, you know, the kind of people that were involved in that and the lessons I learned from them as well.
0: Bonnie, our final question, as always, what is success to you? How do you define success in your own life?
2: I think success to me is, you know, feeling good within yourself and with what you're doing every day. That's something that I've really been working towards because sometimes it can feel like you need to keep doing a certain thing and staying on a certain path just for the sake of it because you've done that you've always done that or because it has been successful so I think staying true to yourself and what feels good whether it is you know success in someone else's eyes whether it is working for yourself or working for someone else I don't think that that defines it it's funny because a lot of people say to me like you know you have your own business you work for yourself like you're so successful da 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 but if you're not happy doing that, it's not successful in my opinion. And that's, yeah, that's something I really want to work on this year. I miss being a part of a team. I kind of miss having more social interactions. So, you know, it's not always what people think it is when, when you work for yourself and just also having like balance in life, balance with work, balance with friendships, relationships. You I know, mean, I'm really a big fan of, being very balanced in friendships and relationships and making sure that you have all of that sorted and just, you know, finding the joy in the small things I've realised as well this last year is very important because you can constantly seek for more achievement and more success, but that doesn't actually fulfil you if you're not enjoying the little things and appreciating that so
0: yeah I think that's it Bonnie you are a delight thank you so much for spending these last 45 minutes with us we are such huge fans of yours and what you went through seemed really scary and really tricky but you are absolutely thriving despite all of it
2: thank you that really means a lot because it's something that I really worked on coming out of and you know still managing to create content and turn it into something else and something that still means something to me. So I really
1: appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shameless with the wonderful Bonnie Rebecca. If you want more from Bonnie, you can find her on Instagram at Bonnie, that's Bonnie with a Y, Rebecca. As for us, well, we're over on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, but another way to support our show is to recommend it to someone you love or even just like. You can text this episode to a friend or even just tell them about it on your lunch break at work today. And as always, don't forget to subscribe on Apple and click follow on Spotify. That is all from us, guys. Have a great day and we will be back in your ears on Thursday with the Shameless Pop Culture Wrap. Bye.